Hanley Armagh, Caroline O'Hanlon, the right person in the right team. Only for point number 10. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sideline Eye podcast. You're very welcome to our um, preview show as we're looking forward to Armagh's crunch tie with Roscommon this weekend. The winner stays up in Division 1 for another year while the loser goes down till Division 2 for 2022. Um, so I'm joined once again by Paddy Savage and Jim McCurry, um to discuss all the ins and outs of the game. And I suppose Paddy will start um, for the first weekend in a long time. Maybe the Armagh match isn't the most important thing happening in your life. I will, yeah, no, like there's Cully Hannah match on as well. Um, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll get yeah, I get married on Saturday now, so uh, I'll um I don't know how much of this I can preview it all right, you know, but uh, how much of it I'm going to be able to see on Sunday, uh, I'm I'm not so sure. As I say, the the timing of it has already made things very difficult for me with the Cully Hannah commitments because that that game's now pushed to twelve, so. Uh, yeah, look, uh, plenty plenty to be at. But look here, football's a good distraction. It's a good distraction at the best of times. It's a particularly good distraction this week. Jim, looking forward to this weekend. I know the last time you were on with us, you were sort of bemoaning the fact that Armagh had two home league games and a home championship game. They're now going to have four uh, home games in a row the one year you're not involved. So... Um, <laughs> Home advantage, Jim, um, this weekend, obviously, they had it against Tyrone and Donegal. One of them games had fans, one didn't. Um, we're hoping the fans can help this weekend as it's such a major game for Armagh to win. Uh, does home advantage help in a game like this? Um, I know some teams obviously have home advantage, others, the games are neutral. Is, is home advantage big for a game like this? Well, I mean, I have to say, from my point of view, I'm delighted. I'll always bemoan the fact I wasn't there this year for those ones on it. I'm delighted that there have been so many home games on it because, as I said that last time, I don't know what Kier McGinney did on the gods, but he wasn't blessed with home advantage on any of the draws the whole way through. So nice to get a, a run of them now on it. It makes an advantage, Sean, if it's used and it's used properly on it. People think, you know, oh, Armagh's at home or Scotland's at home or Kerry's at home. You know, that there's an automatic win because you're playing at home. And it doesn't happen automatically. Yeah, it needs a lot of different things to come together on it. And it needs support, really, to get behind the team. But it also needs the players to use that support to draw off that, to try and get that extra wee bit out of it. You know, and we've seen it last week. I mean, I wasn't at the game. Uh, I know you and, and Paddy would have been at it. But even, you know, some of the scores and you hear the roar of the crowd and that pushed them on, it makes a big, big advantage. And obviously... I mean, if players draw on that and they use it and they get that extra bit of a lift, especially coming towards the end of a game or maybe where you get that point advantage and then you can push on to another point or another point, that certainly, uh, for me, is how you use home advantage on it. And people who think just because you've got home advantage, you're already going to win, that's certainly not the case. And Paddy, you were there the last day against Donegal, like you were part of the crowd. How big did you feel the impact was? Um, we spoke on the podcast last week. Like you could really feel the the crowd getting involved. Like the last point of the first half, that Arsenal O'Neill monster strike. 
um, just before half time. You can feel the Armagh fans getting behind the team, and obviously it'll be the same this weekend. It'll be majority Armagh fans. So, how big of an impact was it the last day, and is that going to help um, on Saturday, on Sunday as well? Look, it's very things very hard to judge sort of game to game, Sean, but. Look, I think it's an advantage. Um, it's you know it has to be you know particularly given that it's uh, you know it's in by GEA standards these are unusually imbalanced crowds. You know, um, certainly if we were playing uh, you know in normal times we were playing Roscommon in the in in the athletic grounds. Uh, even though we're really well supported, Roscommon's seriously well supported team. Um, so they'd have been bringing in normal times they've been bringing a big crowd of a number of thousands to uh, to the athletic grounds for a big for for a big game like this. So look, I hope that the the players can draw um, inspiration from it. I mean, I hope the you know it really struck me, you know, just how much I appreciated being at the game, uh, and everybody, you know, there was a great atmosphere. You know, it was almost like relief when you were back, and I know I was saying when I came back in the door, I was like, I must, uh, you know, must keep this. Um, with the wee program, it was just small, you know. I, I sort of keep all the programs anyway of them dating right back to, to, to your time in, um, over our man in the 90s gym. Oh, uh, dear. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, a of that. I think I got it signed, I signed a kind of cup program uh, from, I don't know what, 93 or 94. But anyway, you know, yeah, I was 90s. thinking, just, you know, this this is one to really hold on to, um, you know, because you'd remember this one in, in years to come. So, look, you know, the crowd, everybody that, that, that'll be in there will be delighted to be there. Um, it's obviously a pity we can't have a few more, but look, it is what it is. What it is. And I, yeah, I hope the I hope the players can draw some inspiration from it because obviously it's an advantage. Um, it's an advantage that they have that you know some of the other teams that are are playing at uh, are playing at home don't have. Um, just with the way the restrictions are different, north and south. And in terms of recent history and recent meetings, um, Armagh Mattress common in the league last year that many people remember that was the first game back. Um, post-lockdown um, they also met in the 2018 championship which was an unbelievable game and Jim you were part of both them um, games um, completely different situations one was down in Port Leash um, a big arm off following there the other one was last year where it was an empty stadium I remember the seats were done by I think it was St Malachy School or something had done paintings of, of people for the seats and stuff such a weird game to be involved in last year and we were sort of saying offer it's bound by one of the strangest and probably hardest games you've ever had to get involved in and prepare for yeah that's it was a weird setup last year for everybody coming into that you know and it was the same for all teams um but you know you, you had the home advantage in that particular game but you hadn't got the support with you to give you that lift that we refer to on it and because it was the first time you weren't used to it, by the time we played clear away, you know, we were used to that. Uh, that's what the last game in the league. Um, but it was uh, it was an interesting game, and it's typical Roscommon Armagh game. I mean, they're always hard fought games, and no matter who comes out the other end, um, you know, it's it's two strong physical sides with good strong forwards, um, you know, well prepared. I remember actually uh, 1980. Uh, probably one of my first encounters with uh, was common when they, they beat us in the All-Ireland semi-final. Uh, and I was playing uh, Martin John O'Gara in that game, you know, and I was I was the first heartbreak. I've had a few heartbreaks with Roscommon since. Um, I'm hoping that won't be the case sort of this week again on it. But uh, that one in uh, in Port Leash, uh, I mean, everybody said that was the game of the championship that year. No consolation, the fact that you didn't win. I think it was round four of the qualifiers. Uh, and we lost by six points in the end. But I remember particularly that first half, I mean, we, we 
our shooting was superb. The return, I think we had something like two wides uh, and we're putting the ball over from right and left. Andrew Byrne wasn't far. You know, all really, uh, all the things that you do in training that you work for worked in that first period of football on. Um, and a few of the things, like, I remember the, the goal certainly that Smith got towards the end and the goals make a difference as it did last year, you know, in, in October when we played them in the athletic grounds. They're a team who can get goals, um, particularly Smith's goal. I mean, one of the aspects that we worked on was to try and make sure he didn't get through the goals because you look at his scoring average, he is a player who does get goals in games, whether he's playing half forward, he's playing midfield driving forward. And he was left just for you know, a split second where he got away, got through the one-two, stuck in the back of the night, and he's sort of going, oh, no, is this going to be it all over again? And uh, obviously, I mean, the one by six in the end, but fantastic game of football. We were badly hit by injuries again that day as well. Um, and we had, to, we had uh, Forker was playing fullback for full forward first, and we had to move him uh, and move Shieldsy up. And Shieldsy actually uh, played really well in that forward line. He's going to be a massive miss. miss Forker's is missing for this game. He's going to be a massive miss as well. Uh, and particularly that game in the athletic grounds, um, you know, the old adage, goals win games. I mean, they scored three goals. Uh, and all three were the annoying thing from a coaching point of view. Uh, and Kieran would tell you this as well, if he was probably here now, and the players would tell you, they were all very preventable. I mean, the, the first goal where he came along the sideline or the end line, uh, you know, when you have a player on the end line and he shouldn't get inside you at all, he should be put over the sideline, you know, or the end line. Uh, and the ball was played in, stuck in the back of the net. Uh, they got a penalty in that one as well, a very rash tackle by James going in on it, James Morgan. Uh, and the other goal came quickly at the, at the same time. So those were all real uh, kicking the teeth in that particular game for a game that we were controlling fairly well. I think it was, what, 15 scores, we point, 15, 13 in terms of scores. But the three goals they got made the difference on it. And in fact, when I was looking at some of the stuff on it, I mean, they had one more possession in that game than us. They had four more attacks than us in that game. They had three more shots in that game than us. But we scored, we had two more scores on but the goals were the difference on it. And that certainly was something I think for this game coming up is to try and ensure that they don't get in for goals again because that's been the difference in my, in my view with uh, Roscommon. They're a team who can get goals, uh, as they did against Kerry as well. Um, uh, in their last game and Paddy that's it is an issue that we have sort of touched on um, me and Aaron Kiernan spoke about it last week about Armagh setting up their defensive ball having their main back but still Michael Langan was fit to get through, carry the ball from the middle of the field straight through the Armagh defence and uh, score a goal and as, as Jim says it maybe is just for a second somebody switches off and that gap opens up and that's where the goal comes from but at this level, and there's common our Division One team that sort of yo-yoed between Division One and Two for the last number of years. At that level, you're going to get punished every single time, and it is a concern that we're carrying into this game and, and carrying in for the rest of the year, Paddy, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is surely. Look, I mean, look at those, look at those two games. I scored five goals in two games. Um, you know, and that you know match back the match back in October, like you don't win many games, you can see three goals in. Like that's just the, the reality taking everything out of it. That that's um that's just the, you know that, that that's just the way football te- football tends to work. And yeah, look, getting you know being too open down the down the middle is is something that I think you know we've all we have talked about. Um, I remember that game down in Port Leash, and at half time we were well well in the game. We were I think we were just just checking there. We were two points down. It was one eleven to twelve points, and as Jim said, we've been brilliant going forward. But you know they cut us open as well, 
you know, a, a couple of times, you know, a couple of times, and then the they got another goal in the in the second half, and like they could have got a lot of goals that day. So if we can keep those out, um, I know uh, when we were chatting to um, Barry O'Hagan, you know about the Dunny about the previous Donegal game uh, before the last match. The point that he was making was that that's not just the responsibility of the of the markers and defence. A lot of that, you know, those runners coming from deep and Roscommon got a goal from their uh, their corner back uh, last yeah. October. That's that's the forward responsibility. That's that's an entire team responsibility to make sure there's not lads sprinting through the middle, um, overlapping and and able to get able to get through us for goals. Um, so yeah, look, it's going to be absolutely critical. Like if you were to tell us now that we're not concede any goals on. On Sunday, we'd be, you know, would think that was a massive step towards winning the game. And Jim, I'm interested to get your thoughts um, after the Donegal game last weekend or two weekends ago. Sorry, um, both Nell McCoy and Cahar O'Kane had been writing articles about Armagh's defensive system and how there's no out-and-out sweeper. That it just seems that there's times they get bodies back and sort of whoever's first back is the designated sweeper. It could be McKay at times. Sometimes it's Campbell coming back or Arsene O'Neill or one of the midfielders dropping back. Is that is that your experience? From Is that how Armagh play? Instead of putting out a you're the sweeper, you're the one that's playing that position. Or is it easier maybe to play it that, you know, you have three man markers say and whoever's first back has to be the plus one? Yeah, well, it, it depends obviously on the type of opposition you're playing and, and what they're releasing for you. But I mean, or, or the situation that you find, I mean, you don't need a sweeper when you've got everybody back and it's a slower, more controlled attack because you have bodies back in there and anyone can do that as long as they know what to do, when to push up when the man's coming through, how to cover the long ball in, how to block out for, for marks, which is important nowadays as well. Um, my own view is uh, I would I would support it fully that it isn't a dedicated person. I mean, Randy Donaghy would have been probably the more designated person for doing that. and was absolutely brilliant at it and still is. Uh, but you find a lot of the teams now, that, you know, actually even Dublin on it, you know, it's not always the same man sitting back with the dubs. You know, you have different players move into that position. Uh, maybe if, if it's a faster attack, you may have a more settled person who's your plus one who drop back. But if you throw many bodies back and other people are picking up men running through, you don't always have that one person available all the time. Uh, and obviously you want the people track running through. Uh, the big problem would be obviously with the likes of Roscommon, they do find ways to get through as you used the example of Langan. Um, and as Paddy rightly says, you know, in, in that game last year, 2-3 um, came from their fullback line against Roscommon because uh, the penalty actually came from it been made as well. Uh, they scored a goal from it and they had three points as well from a fullback line. And if you remember last year against Donegal, it was like 1-7 or something like that scored, you know, from the defence driving forward. Uh, and it's important that although a lot of defenders are scoring now moving forward in the game, and you see that with a lot of the teams on it, point that Paddy says, obviously, right, it's not six defenders who defend now. You've got to make sure your structure's right. And obviously, Kieran McKeever's been working to try and refine that and get that right, that the right structure there, the right shape there, and that they have plenty of communication, the call, for changes of players, tracking players, pushing through, pushing up the right time and not letting that easy ball get in. And maybe that's where some of the, maybe the, the things they've identified from the previous games where teams have been getting through to score on it and they've been trying to block those out. But the difficulty is, of course, it's hard to say, I mean, in Armagh's games, there was, uh, what, 19, 21 and 15 uh, points scored against them in those games. 
Now, you can't really compare the last two because they lost half of their defence. And one of their subs, who's probably one of the best man marks of the game, you know, Paddy Burns, they lost him as well. And Chasey, who would play a half-back and drive forward from there, you know, wasn't available. So, you know, it's hard to compare like with like from that point of view, but they certainly know how to go about trying to make sure that they plug those gaps and not allow those goal opportunities. And the important bit is that they don't switch off against the likes of an Ann Smith or you refer to Murda and Donnie Smith, all those guys, the, the Murda brothers, the Smith brothers, you know, they can score. And Devaney, who came on against uh, Kerry, scored a goal later on in the game. You know, they have strength in the bench as well uh, who, can, uh, who can put the ball in that and take scores for them. So um, it's going to be difficult, there's no doubt about that, but they have plenty of firepower there. They'll be well organised. Uh, and this is a do or die situation, isn't it really? Yeah, and Jim, you've touched on it there, but it was common forward line and their firepower. And Paddy, I suppose, looking at the stats, Donny Smith and Kieran Murta have hit 128 between them in the three games, which is some going for the two inside men. And you throw into the likes of it, Enda Smith, you have Connor Cox, you have Damard Murta, you have um, Lennon, that was the corner forward last year, and Kilroy, the wing half forward, Cal Craig maybe as well. They have so many attacking options and scoring options that it's going to be hard for Armada to, um, to get their defensive shape because there's maybe four or five most common attackers that need Monmore. And without Ryan Candy and Aidan Falker, if Falker's not available, they'll be the two go-to man-markers. So it's going to be hard for Armada to set up here and maybe find man-markers or are they just going to have to sit back and, and block off the runs from what's common? Yeah, well, I mean, my take on that would be that where you have a team where the threat's really balanced out like that, that the defensive shape becomes even more important, you know, because you don't you don't have that tendency to, well, look, you know, keep an eye on X and, you know, on, on this player and somebody else, you know, maybe come in and double mark and, and whatever. But where the threat's pretty well spread out, um, uh, you know, as it is, uh, with Roscommon, I know just looking at your own scoring statistics, Sean, maybe, you know, there's not that same spread of scores so far with Armagh this season. But, yeah, that would be my just um, thoughts on it is that, once you, you know, if you've that that threat right across the forward line, it's then all about your you know it's all about your defensive shape. It's about just not letting uh, those players get the the shots away in the really good areas. Um, they're you know they're very good players, um, and they're gonna score the you know players are always gonna score the odd fantastic point from way out in the sideline or, or whatever. But it's not in terms of the defensive shape. It's about not making things easy for them and and letting them get in and, and get and get handy scores. And Jim, Arma have Kieran Donaghy and Kieran McKeever in this year, um, in a coaching capacity, and they're probably their style of coaching or their style of play that the favour isn't probably well known throughout the country. While there's common of Stephen Poacher in with them, and he's seen as a defensive coach from his time in Carlo. It's obviously coaching Carlo and coaching there's commons two completely different teams. Do you see Poacher's um, the narrative around Poacher is that he likes a defensive game and he gets everybody back plays a blanket defence. But if any have such attacking quality as there's common do, I'm sure Poacher, it's not as simple as that as just getting 15 men back when they're still putting up good scores. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I, had a, I did a podcast with Poacher a while back and we talked about the whole aspect of perception of defence in, in Gaelic football. And you heard the debate this week, you know, in terms of uh, McCarthy saying about... Um, you know, the, that they're not very defensive, you know, and 
um, you know, after the criticism of, of them being, you know, as defensive as anybody on it, you know, uh, and the thing about it is with Poacher on it, Poacher is a very good overall coach, but some of the teams we have, he's been with, maybe wouldn't have had very prolific attack-minded uh, players, so he had to be on play against stronger teams. He had to probably be more organised defensively on it. Uh, but he's a very good motivator as well. The one thing he will do, he will know our mind inside out. And he's very good at analysing games as well and providing that feedback. Um, so uh, I wouldn't just say that they'll be set up. Now, they need to improve defensively. You know, and if you look at their stats on it, 21 points, 22, 25 points scored against them uh, in games this year. Now, albeit against the Dubs and Kerry. Uh, I know Kerry got a goal at the end of the game as well, but like that's that's a big score against them. And their scoring hasn't been as high as I'm at 15 points, 16, 16 in their games. You know, so it'll be interesting to see just the, the, the matchups. That last game against Kerry, they had seven changes, you know, and Connor Cox come back in. I mean, he's going to be a man to watch. He did the one that Polly would stay inside more, and he can hit those big scores that Polly was talking about as well. But he's a danger man in there. Uh, and then, you know, you see the influences, say, of the Smiths and, uh, you know, and others coming in there. If you can run, you know, Craig, different guys like that, they're good runners. The difficulty will be, of course, you know, from our mass point of view, is to continue with that attacking, uh, prolific attack that they have. Because the midfield up, you know, we're inundated with midfielders who can score. I mean, people talk about that uh, 60 yard uh, shot of, of Oshins, you know, uh, but his first two scores are equally as good if you watch them. You know, where he cut back in, uh, put the ball over the bar, and then uh, the one from the sideline as well, uh, cutting back in. You know, really good scores all around. So they've got to make sure that they keep the scoring end up while try to get that team defence sorted right. Difficulty, of course, is the pace that that game's played up now. If you watch, you know, Armagh and the way they've played, they are playing at a really higher pace. I don't know if that's Kieran Donaghy coming in and making a play like that, or uh, I would probably say it's more... Kieran McGinney making them play more like that because that's the way they've always wanted to play. Kieran would always, he wouldn't be, even though he's a defender himself, I said this the last time we spoke, he wouldn't set teams up defensively. He would have a good team defence like McCarthy was talking about the Dubs, but he wouldn't be, uh, he would always want them to play on the, foot, the front foot, get that ball in early and take the scores and he's got a real array of players who can take scores and, and do that. It's still missing a lot of good players as well. So, it's going to be a close game. There's no doubt about that. The big problem would be for me would be those missing players. That if Kieran had a full deck, you know, it makes it a lot more comfortable on it. This time, you know, they're going to have to work so much harder and be so much better organised, communicate better at the back to make sure they nullify that threat that there was common health. And Jim, you did sort of touch on it there with the way RMR playing. Um, obviously, we know Kieran Donahue and Kieran McKeever are in in the background now this this year as coaches. Have you seen anything that um, you're going, yeah, that's Kieran Donaghy's influence or yeah, that's Kieran McKeever's influence? Um, I know on the podcast last week with Aaron Kieran, we spoke about them being able to get men back and get their defensive shape um, set up. But once they turn that ball over, there's a kick pass available on the far 45 and it's moving that ball as quickly as possible into the forward line once you get that turnover. Do you see the influence of McKeever or Donaghy in the first three games for Armagh? It's probably more difficult to see Kieran McKeever's influence because the defence has been so much disrupted. But I suppose the counter-argument that is if everybody knows their role, it doesn't matter who goes in there. If it's a system you're playing, that should work. 
you know, at three games, it's not an awful lot of time for the guys to stamp their authority or their personality onto the game. I know certainly the bigger personality would be Donaghy, obviously, from everybody knows with, you know, with Kerry and, you know, the type of personality that he has as well. Uh, and I know he likes to get that ball and he likes the diagonal ball going in. But so much of what I'm seeing is me, is probably still what Kier McGinney was trying to do. Um, and maybe there's, uh, I don't know if the diagonal ball is looking a wee bit more on because uh, uh, I know that's certainly something that Donaghy had talked about he likes he to see the ball played that as he would have been himself with that inside forward line played nice and early and sport runner coming off on that um, so I think it's early yet to say you know oh, you can see you know the stamp of Kieran Donaghy or Kieran McKeever but I certainly see the stamp of Kieran McGeady all over it still trying to drive that team forward and make it a, a winning mentality there and Paddy defensively I know on this podcast we do talk about matchups a lot and um, the key matchups in both defence and attack. And I suppose Jim touched on it there about Connor Cox last year. It was Ryan Kennedy picked him up until half time. I think Ryan got a Yalek Yarden was took off then at half time and Aaron McKay went back in on him. Like without Kennedy and Falker, if Falker again, if Falker's not available. Arma are lacking man markers in that defence. I think the last week's um, half-back line was McKay, Mackin and Kieran O'Hanlon. You have Ross McQuillan available there too, Greg McCabe. None of them really stand out man markers. Paddy, probably James Morgan would be the only one. Um, is that a concern for Arma, or is that, as Jim says, sort of everybody knows their role, everybody can be interchangeable and go in and if you have to do a man marking role, then that's your job for that game? Oh, it's definitely a concern. Like, there's no there's no team in the country that you could say to them, right, look, there's, you know, here's four or five lads that have been an integral part of your defence over the last three, four seasons um, and that you're not going to be concerned if you lose them. Like, you know, if you, if you look at the, the, the players, the experience um, that, we've, that we've lost in, in that area of the field, you know, um, Kennedy, Barnes, Falk, or... Uh, Shields, um, and there's at least one or two more um, um, that haven't come to the tip of my tongue. So, yeah, it's a concern, surely. You're just hoping that the the players that we have are going to be able to step up. You know, say, take Ross Finn. Don't know if he's going to be playing again on, on Sunday, but I'm sure the I'm sure that experience of, you know, playing against Donegal, um, and, you know, he was certainly, well, he was marking Paddy McBrady, or, not, you know, he was certainly seemed to be picking up picking him up quite a bit over the course of the game. Um, well, that was a pre-planned move or, or not, I'm not sure. But I'd say that's, you know, the, the, the learning that he'll have got from those from those 70 minutes, from being at that level, um, exposed to that probably for the um, one of the first times, that'll be invaluable. Um, and you're, you're just hoping that we can do the best to what we have. Of course, we'd like to have them, uh, of course, we'd like to have them other lads and, and hopefully maybe we do have one or two of them, but... I mean, I'd imagine that around the camp, you know, well, it's just any team, you know, whatever level you're playing at, you know, the focus always has to be on the players we do have rather than the players we don't. And, you know, that's that's whether you're playing junior club football or you're playing Division One at the county. Yeah, and that's something that in the previous two shows, Aaron Karen and Barry Hagen both said that Armagh just have to move on and you're not going to have them men. Jim, if you were still involved with the management team and you are missing say, Kennedy Falker on Burns, if that's the way it pans out, on Shields, obviously, who can do man-marking jobs as well. What's your plan going into this weekend? Do you try to mould somebody into a man-marker and hope it, hope it works? Or 
how do you counteract that? As we said earlier, there's common made of four or five men that are going to have to be picked up. So what what way do you work at this week? Of course, Armagh have had two weeks to plan for this. So maybe that's a help as well. Yeah, well, I think the one thing that you need to take into account as well, you know, is that that half-back line that's playing this this last few games, especially with O'Hanlon, you know, he started forwards in the modern game and moved back into that sort of position to allow more attack from there. But if you take O'Hanlon um, and you take McKay uh, and you take Mack, and they didn't really play, although uh, McKay and Mack were in the squad, they both had injuries last year and were out for firstly all, all the year. And they're both phenomenal players. I mean, McKay's a great reader of the game. He's actually a really good man marker as well uh, and could pick up the likes of Connor Cox and Maybrick. Um, uh, Macken, you know, great speed driving from there as well. And I think actually O'Hanlon playing from halfback and driving forward and seeing the point he scored that last game, driving from the halfback line. Big, strong, physical player as well. But that's three into that back line as well. And for the ones that Paddy's referred to, and I said earlier, that's missing that are quality defenders, you know, there's been a fair amount of upheaval and they're on Donegal, you know, to draw well, one six. I know Donegal had a few players missing as well and I'm not trying to diminish that, but like that's still a phenomenal amount of work and all games in the league have been very high scoring, you know, so although they scored one sixteen, they're very disappointed with the goal, the players back, they could have pushed up, they could have stopped that goal opportunity and they'll, they'll have worked on that. But, you know, whether or not you say, you know, have we got, um, are we going to go man to man in this game? Um, or are we going to have a, a structure and a system that'll work? You know, with the amount of players that's missing and the the amount of uh, quality attacking players that they have and guys who can come from their defence to score as referred to earlier, um, I think it's going to be very much down to the team defence rather than individuals. Although some of their key men, the likes of Cox, if he's left and say, will not be somebody that's going to be left on a rotational basis, I thought. Paddy, just to finish up then, how big of a game is this for Armagh? Because I think at the start of the year, we were talking about that they had to beat Monaghan, so they at least finished third in the group, which would mean they would get the easier game in their relegation playoff against Source Common. Now it's here, it's maybe it doesn't seem as easy. Um, but how big of a game is this going into it? Like, Armagh, the, the need to secure the Division 1 status, it would be like it would be a disaster if they went down after playing so well the previous three games. Plus, it would carry great momentum into the Championship, which you're hoping, you're aiming for a, at least an Ulster semi-final, if not the final. Um, so how big of a game is this? How much of a much win is, must win is this for Armagh? Oh, well, this is the must-win game. You know, no matter all those other games that have gone before it, you know, there will you, you always had the safety net. That's the funny thing about the league this year. You know, you could go out, be thumped by twenty points in all of the first three matches, and if you produce it in the playoff, you're staying up. Um, and, and that's the same with that. That's the same in all with all three divisions that have the um, uh, that that have the the the, the playoffs or have relegation. Sorry. So look, I I think it's one of the biggest um games that there's been in the athletic grounds uh for a long time um for a few reasons. You know, one. About um, you know it, it's you know one because we've got the fans back um, and we you know we've had some big games uh, there over the last um, year or so we haven't had we haven't had supporters the the, the Roscommon game last year um, and I do think that I mean it's funny I think you asked me about what we were looking for at the start of the the, the season Sean and 
I think I maybe gave some answer around you know, being competitive and at least you know, showing that we sort of belong there. But we've done so well that it'd be such a um, it it, you know, it would be such a, a, a you know a deflating thing if we you know if we couldn't get over the line. Um, if we couldn't get over the line now on Sunday, and you know we did slip back for Division Two, because I tell you what, that'll not be easy to get out of either. Um, you know it, it never is, and you're back to the you know, you're obviously back to the seven games. Uh, hopefully next year, uh, all being well. So, uh, look, it, it's critical. You know, I mean, look, Cairn's been there. You know, and involved with that. It, it's his team, as as Jim was alluding to. He's molded the way he wants. He has the players. Um, he developed the players. You know, we're at a really critical stage here and we want to you know we really it's a year that we need to be showing development and there's no bigger development for this team than securing our, our division one st- status so i i just think it's massive um I, I think it really is um and i'm hoping you know what what i'm hoping is we're lo- looking back um we're looking back on this in a few years um that we can think well actually that that 2021 league campaign you know, after Armagh coming off the promotion but getting thumped by Donegal in the championship, that that was when this team really stepped up and said, you know, look, we're you know we're here and we're going to be a a competitive team there and about with the best team with the best teams in the country, and then hopefully developing from that. So, yeah, I don't think you can. I'm struggling to think of a, of a, of a bit of a bigger league game for for Armagh in a long time. Yeah, Jim, we'll leave the final word with you. I think you're going to echo what Paddy said there. Like you were involved in that team that worked so hard over the last three or four years to get back up to Division One, play so well now for three games, um, pick up a win against Monaghan, could have and should have beat Donegal maybe and done really well against Throne as well. It would be very deflating to go back down to Division Two after doing so well the last couple of years to get up there. Yeah, I came in then when we were in Division 3 and, you know, we've moved up to 2 to 1 and that's where I believe the Saramat team should be. Um, I mean, they'll not need uh, motivation on Sunday. You know, they'll not need anybody uh, hitting their All-Ireland medals off the wall from, uh, and they'll not need um, their fitness levels. You know, Kieran has them at a really high fitness level as the same. You know, there's a lot of pace in that team on it. Their skill levels are good on it. I think a lot of it's going to be down to how they're organised and how their own game management. Because when when all the, I mean, you, you imagine the two weeks to prepare for this, Sean and, and rightly so. Uh, but you know, when they cross that white line, there's a lot of game management that can't be organised from Kieran up in the stand or um, Kieran McKeever on the sideline, Rivers on the sideline. You know, it has to be very much that they need the self organised as well and. Uh, Roscommon certainly have had a lot more game management in the past. I just hope our guys have it on Sunday as well because um, from my own point of view, it's great that they have all this great uh, accolades about how good they look and how well they play on it. But the bottom line is Sunday has come away. I'll come away with uh, uh, eight points to seven win on Sunday. I'll be happy enough. Yeah, so I think we'll all agree on that, Jim. Um, so this weekend, Armagh Camogues also take on um, Carlo in the Division 3 National League semi-final. So good luck to them and good luck to the Armagh footballers as well. And hopefully we'll get a win and secure Division 1 status. And mostly good luck to you, Paddy. Um, big weekend for you. So I, I'm not sure you'll be on our... I don't think you'll be on our review show next week. Um, no, I'll not see the game. I'm hoping to... I'm hoping that I've timed it now. If I can maybe 
I might be able to see two second halves. Uh, if I can maybe get to the second half of the Collyan again and get up there, we're going to run away for a few days. So might, uh, I don't know. We'll see. But yes, no, don't put it, don't schedule me in for the review show, Sean. <laughs> good one, Paddy. Thanks for coming on anyway. Um, Jim, thank you for coming on once again, man. It's good to hear your thoughts on this game and hopefully, as I say, Armagh get a win and keep their division one status for next year. Carlino Hanlon, the right person in the right. Armagh for the equaliser. This is Kira Donnelly for point number 10. Outstanding. 